Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you B. Alink, and she's the founder and CEO of The Alinker. Good afternoon, Hi, David. B. Uh, David, it's so nice to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. So, B, kick us off with the why. Why did you start The Alinker? <laughs> As a total an utter accident, really. That's how that works. People don't set out to become an entrepreneur in general. <laughs> and in this case, it was um, my mom and I walked over a marketplace in the Netherlands in the village where she lived. And um, she pointed at some people using rollators and scooters, you know, electric scooters. And then she said, over my dead body, will I ever use one of those things? And then I was like, huh, what? <laughs> what did you just say? And with that comment, she put in my viewfinder what people with disabilities deal with, her own judgment. So she caught herself in that moment on her own judgment of how she looked and how she regarded those people. And then it became very clear to me that medical devices generally are designed as for a, for a body with a problem and not for how we want to live, not for who we are. We are not a body with a problem. I mean, in this, in this um, society, we are judged on everything that we have as external characteristics, but it is not who we are. I might have a white skin, but I, with my actions, I might not represent the white supremacist um, uh, overall systems anymore because I have changed my practices or, you know, Example after example, I'm, I might look able-bodied, yet I have disabilities, and then I'm judged by being a fraud when I get out from my wheelchair and reach for something in a grocery shop, for example. So that I became aware of that. And you don't think about things until somebody launches that into your viewfinder. And that comment over my dead body launched that into my viewfinder as a designer. So I got a little bit prickled, and I was like, huh, hang on. If... A medical device emphasizes the disability. It creates a divide between people with and without disabilities. And then instantly it became a justice issue for me. And I, then I get activated. If there's injustice somewhere, I get activated. So I started, you know, I set out to make something so cool that people would love to use it instead of like, whoa, over my dead body. And something that at least my stubborn Dutch mom would use. <laughs> so, and with that, I, I you know, I, I started a little journey of, you know, messing around with pieces of cart cardboard and uh, pieces of metal and clay and stuff, exploring like what is it that people need once you got some mobility challenges, either by MS or stroke recovery or you name it, and so. Then that became the linker. I thought you had to sort of like take the weight of the legs. Um, and then so an overarching frame with a seating assembly that sounded cool because then you can still stand, but you're still supported. And then stability, you need to get that. So two wheels is not enough. Two wheels in the back, you would kick into it. 
two wheels in the front, so you walk on wheels, um, two wheels in the front, overarching frame to the back, to a one rear wheel with a seating assembly on top. That became the thing, and then I, you know, got people on prototypes, and the responses were so insane that I thought, huh, I cannot just abandon this. This really needs to be something. A guy from 82 um, got on prototype number one and said, like, oh, my God, I can run again. I haven't run in 20 years. It's like, shit, if this guy that's 82 can run again, then this is a little bit more than just a better device that even my stubborn Dutch mom would use. So I got sucked in, <laughs> so to speak. Well, how and could you not learn? How could you not when an eight-year-old has that kind of feedback? Right. And then I learned so much, David. For example, prototype four it was Haruna, who was an exchange student from Japan here in Vancouver. And she has muscular dystrophy, had never walked in her whole adult life. And she said, can I try that? And I was like, of course you can. And my first response in my head was like, can she? She's using a wheelchair. And my second response was like, if she wants to try, of course she can try. But you know, you got that judgment in your head. I instantly caught myself like, oh, she can't ever use that. And I was like, well, could she? So we helped her on because she had barely any muscle mass left, not using anything, being her whole adult life in a wheelchair. She was mid-20s or something at that time. And she got on the Olinker and didn't just kick off and walk away, but she was moving her legs and at eye level. And she said, I feel so tall. I feel so tall. That never leaves me. That comment of Haruna I learned through Haruna that nearly 60 or around 60% of people that use wheelchairs can actually somehow, but there's nothing designed for them to move their legs, which is crucially important to activate the brain, to give the brain messages about like, oh, that's going on there. Um, I'm going to try and reach it. That's how neuroplasticity is activated by giving the brain enough information um, that it can work with. And so 60% of people that use wheelchairs had nothing, had no alternative to look for if they wanted to use their legs and be at eye level while moving around. And so there's so much that I've learned about all different diseases and disabilities that I had no idea existed. And, um, and what people deal with in, in everyday life, trying to go out in public, trying to go out in public transport, trying to travel trying to go to public places or parks like Disney parks. So, but I learned so much. And then I was like, oh, you know, I, I, okay, I just need to do this. And it changes lives of thousands of people. So I'm, you know, my father died when I was eight, when he was 45. And since I'm older than 45, I feel I'm in my bonus years and I'm, I'm at surface of, whatever comes my way and whatever I'm called to do. This is what I was called to do. It comes through me. I, I have to do this. It, it touches people. It changes their lives. It, it, it makes them more in, independent. It gives them opportunities that I didn't have before. There's no way I cannot do this. So B, walk me through when all this started. What year did you create the A-Link? Sure. Um, in October 2011 is when my mom made that comment. And then I started prototyping. I flew back to Canada where I live and, um, uh, yeah, I started prototyping. And then through those prototypes, I learned a lot. 
I had a full-time job at that time, but luckily that was creating art glass for the new airport in Doha with a glass company here in Vancouver. It's, it's quite random, all the things that I've done in my life, but you know, I like complicated projects and I like uh, variety. And, um, and so because the project was in Doha, I went to the office very early in the morning and then in the later in the afternoon, I could just leave a little bit earlier. And then I went to the workshop where Toby from Toby Cycle Works here in Vancouver um, made the prototypes. So I had a bit of a double double shift going on there. And at a certain time I needed, I had some money of course, because I was employed, but I didn't have like hundreds of thousands of dollars in my bank account. And um, so I needed more money and more time. So I quit my job and incorporated the Olinker in August 2012. So less than a year later. And then I was at prototype four um, when I needed more money and I needed to accelerate the whole process. And I jumped. <laughs> Good for you, as That's all entrepreneurs do. do. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy when you look at it and luckily you don't know what's coming because you'd never do it. 100%. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I wouldn't change a thing either, you know, looking back. So to the, since 2012, obviously yeah. you're talking 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, give me some examples of people's lives you've impacted because of the A-Linker. Um, well, the very first A-Linker user, for example, um, in, in the U.S. is the first guy in, an, in, in the U.S. who got on A-Linker. <laughs> we were not even in the market yet. Um, I produced the... Uh, the conceptual prototypes here in Vancouver. And then I went to the Netherlands being a bike company uh, of a bike country um, with a lot of bike developers um, with a uh, contact there who could make the pre-production prototypes, which is all engineered. And then, you know, uh, quality versus price, that kind of thing. And we made another seven prototypes. And, um, and then, um, what was the question? Sorry. Just uh, since 2012, impact you've made uh, on people that have used the A-Linker. Joe, so I was... Certain I was customers, to... You've gotten feedback from customers or people right. that uh, are experiencing the A-Linker now on a regular basis, how it's changed their lives. Those type of feedback things I think are very helpful to know. That's the, yeah. what inspires the why. Yeah. Um, well, the, sorry, I was going to Joe. Joe is the first Linker user in the US. So I was in the Netherlands developing that and somehow he picked it up from social media and he was like, I am at the last 20 years with MS. He was mid or late 50s, I think, at that time. Um, and he said, I've been sitting at home with MS, stuck at home, looking desperately online for something. There has to be something better than the stuff that I get in medical device shops. And, and I said, oh, great. And he said, and you're further than prototyping? I said, well, we're bringing this to market. And he said, oh, that's so good because so many people have good ideas and a good idea is great, but it's nothing if you don't put all the work in to make it work. So he said, if you're beyond prototyping and nearly going to market, I'm coming to see you. Where are you? I said, well, I'm in the Netherlands right now. And if you've been at home for 20 years with MS, then there's no guarantee this will work for you. There was no stopping this. So he came with his wife, um, with Denise, to Amsterdam, where I met him. He got on the Alinker, David, 
and, and walked three and a half kilometers. Didn't even look at me because his life at that moment completely and utterly changed. Wow. And he travels independently. He's, he's close to 70 now. He travels independently to Florida to family. He lives in New Jersey. Shoves the linker in the back of his uh, of his car, drives to Florida, can live independently, goes all over places and builds up his muscle and um, mobility again. And he had, you know, he was not one of the most people with disabilities have been driven into poverty um, by the system that we have. Um, he wasn't his wife had a good job and he had a good pension. And um, and he became a shareholder in the company. He said, "Like this is family. I I'm, I I want to be part of this thing. This is this is going to change people's lives." And they're still really dear friends. I went a few times, stayed there with them, and you know, you become friends with people. It's 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 so much more than just selling bikes. If it was just selling bikes, I wouldn't do this because that's just boring. Right. <laughs> but because you become friends, I learn so much from from people. And I always say, people that have been hit by life know a little bit more about life. Well, people with disabilities have been hit by life, and they learn a little bit more about life. They're very interesting people. Yeah, 100%. Never, never boring conversations. Never. Yeah, there's a gentleman that uh, I met uh, at a, uh, a, I guess it was kind of a, uh, like a van mobility place. Like he... Uh, changes vans to make it more user friendly for people that are in wheelchairs. Oh yeah. And uh, he comes around the corner and he's in a wheelchair. And I was like, wow, uh, you really make an impact because you, you deal with this problem yourself. He's like, yeah, it's so hard to drive and the wheelchairs are heavy and you know, a lot of cars don't accommodate wheelchairs very well. And I said, that's, that's great that you're doing this. He's like, yeah, you know what? I was walking just like you two mm -hmm. years ago, mm -hmm. but someone came into my business and held me up at gunpoint and decided as he walked out with the money to shoot me. Oh. And that injury has put me in this wheelchair and I refuse to give up. And I use it as motivation to help other people that have unfortunate circumstances, either by birth or by situational things mm -hmm. that they're, it's not a death sentence to be in a wheelchair. So I'm going to try and help as many people get around and continue to live their lives in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things. You just never know what life throws your way. And it could easily have been something that puts them into depression and medicated and so on and so forth. But he decided to use his motivation and, be, and turn a business into it. And you're now helping people that uh, are only option is a wheelchair now become much more uh, free and much more mobile by using the linker instead. Yes. And like, I would like to turn that around. Actually, I always turn around situations. How crazy is it that one out of four of people, one out of four of us, lives with a disability? Why do we make it so unsafe by dismissing people and isolating them and driving them into poverty that we are scared to death to get a disability? Why do we make it so scary? Why don't we just show up for each other and not judge each other by how we move? Like the Alinker is not better than a wheelchair. It might be like whatever, like it might be a preference. It might be good to be able to move your leg. But the fact is that this society dismisses people based on the fact that I think psychologically we're scared to be mortal. That's what I think is underneath of this. But it is, of course, insane that the biggest minority 
is the most ignored. And disabilities is always at the last thing of the agenda of anything because it touches everybody and everybody is scared to death to get a disability. Right. And it is, that is completely crazy to me. Like I am temporarily able-bodied. That is um, Judy Hyman language when she was the, um, um, the disability advocate in the, in the time of Obama. I am temporarily able-bodied yet I live with pain in my feet. So sometimes I can't stand long or I can't walk long or, you know, all those invisible things that people live with, 60% of us has a chronic illness causing mobility issues. Why are we dismissing <laughs> so many people and making it so unsafe? Like if we make it safer because we're not isolated and we're not stigmatized and we're not kicked in the curb by society, then, you know, we can we can live a little bit more relaxed with each other. If we don't judge each other on how we look, whether it's skin color or gender identification or the ways that we move, why do we judge people on the external, some of the external characteristics? That's not who we are. Who we are is who we decide to be. And that's deep work. And especially in this time, I think it is crucial crucially important that we choose who we want to be i can be against white supremacy which i am of course but you can be against it and uphold the systems at the same time if you're not aware of who you are by going to the to the um to the grocery shop and you know buying kellogg's stuff and buying coca-cola and whatever i uphold by being on google like all that stuff because we're so inundated with all the corporations that uphold that whole um, capitalistic, white supremacist economic model that we live in, that, that kills us all. I decide who I want to be by, who I sh by how I show up and where I shop and what I purchase. It's not what I am from the outside, what I look like. It is who I choose to be. And for that to understand who I am and who you are, we need to be in relationship. And if we're constantly on our phones, just zipping da, 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 short attention spans, we never build relationships. So we can continue to do whatever, have all the drama on social media about forests that are on fires or on fire or the, the oceans that are full of plastic. We're constantly in the drama of the trauma. Instead of breathing and saying like, who do I really want to be in this time? And with all my actions, I need to be congruent with who I choose to be. If I choose to be a kind human being and show up for people, that doesn't cost anything, by the way. So I'm not in scarcity because it doesn't cost anything to just show up, to be kind, to greet people at the door or wherever, anybody. Then we can connect on, you know, kindness and generosity. That resonates a lot better with us than economic models that constantly put us in fear and in scarcity because that is dying and it's been killing so many people over the years already right but i decide who i want to be it's not out there the systems are not outside of me they're in me with how i'm being conditioned and who i then choose to be and that i'm using my company as a 
as a vehicle to talk about that stuff as a vehicle for change right it's not, it's not so much selling selling the bikes but talk about like what is this sick care system that we have is it really a healthcare system or is it reactive to sickness and then predominantly medicates and simultaneously the food industry feeds our shit that makes us sick and then the, the pharma industry that is predominantly owned by the same people happily medicates that then but that's not sustainable let alone ethical so i'm using my business to talk about that that's good these we yeah. talked about people need to know what's what they're putting in their bodies and what the effects are and what's causing what and you take this medicine, it causes another problem. You take another medicine, it causes another problem, and you're just in a nasty cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, be, be walk me through uh, some mistakes you've made since you started prototyping. Obviously, you know people come in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. So to develop the the Alenker for different size people, heights, weights, widths, so on and so forth. How did you did you make any mistakes? in the process of your prototyping based on the size of people? Did you do different size uh, A-linkers to accommodate the six foot five person and the five foot two person? Or can everyone, regardless of size and weight, use the same machine? Um, first of all, I don't believe in, in, in failures. I believe in learning and growing. Okay, fair enough. Because um, uh, that's, that's, that's a narrative. I feel fast and so you learn da, 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 and it's like, no, I don't. I, I believe in um, willingness to to learn means willingness to, you know, you only learn when you make the wrong mistake. What when you make the wrong decision? You right. Don't learn when you make the right decision. So by definition, I would like to, you know, take the the the, the most complicated way around because then I actually learn most, and I always like to learn. Um. But that's a, that's a double-edged sword because people want to be comfortable and do the safest thing, yeah, but which is always the hard part. Like yeah, you're not going to, like you said, you're not going to learn unless you take that leap of faith. Right. But, but at the same time, everyone wants to be safe and comfortable and stay in their comfort zone. And those that are willing to get outside their comfort zone, willing to do new things, willing to fail are the ones that succeed. But the thing is like the whole um, exploration to be comfortable. Comfort sounds good. But the state of comfort is death. Like th- looking for comfort in this Western society, everything is about comfort food. Comfort food kills us. Looking for comfort is making us get atrophy and lose our muscles and lose our brain activity and all. It's not an okay thing. Comfort is not a good thing. I mean, it has a good connotation. So look where it got us. All the comfort stuff actually kills us. So right. why would it, it's it's an awareness thing. Like, why would I look for comfort if I know that it kills us? Athletes, they we celebrate sports people, right? We celebrate big sports events and teams and a lot. Those people, they don't, you know, become athletes because they were looking for comfort. They have to train and work through pain and work through discomfort to actually grow and to maintain or grow their muscles and and stamina and all that stuff. We're the same human beings. Why don't we apply those principles to us? We need to be moving, otherwise we lose it. Like, don't use it, you lose it. People say that. But it's true. If we don't move, we lose it. <clears throat> so to get back towards the 
the learning opportunity, the mistakes that were possibly made along the way of prototyping and creating the product. Uh, give me just an example of one way you pivoted or changed and what you learned from that challenge or mistake you made along the process of prototyping and creating this product. Yeah, that's a funny thing. Um, if anything, uh, that always makes me chuckle and still it's a bit of a, uh, a language barrier. Um, the sizing of the Alinker, I think I'm normal at 5'11". In the Netherlands, I'm, I'm less than average, actually, as a, as a Dutch woman. But here, I'm, <laughs> I'm rather tall at 5'11". And so thinking that that is normal, I fit on the medium with the seat lowest because you can adjust the seat by about four or five inches per Alinker. And so when I launched the Alinker, it was only the medium because I thought that was normal. You know, that was average. <laughs> And then quickly we had to like, okay, we need to make a small one. And um, we have a large one for Dutch people. You mentioned six foot five. That's predominantly happening in the Netherlands or in Norway. And then um, we made a small. And just last year during the pandemic, actually, we, um, we produced a happy small. And yeah, you can. And now we're redesigning the Olinker 2.0 um to increase the weight capacity because many people are exceeding 265 pounds what the max capacity officially tested max capacity is of the current linkers that all hinges on having the funding to make a new model because it's really expensive to develop new models so the the the, the sizing of the linkers especially men don't <laughs> They, they they don't think they have a small because I'm not a small man, you know that. <laughs> so it, it it still caused some problems. It's like no, I'm at least the medium. It's like no, well actually, measure your inseam, you'll see, and then many people do end up on the small. So it has caused a problem with having to reiterate to people that it's actually not that they're small, but that I was a dumbo <laughs> thinking that I was average here. So makes sense. Is that is that a failure? I, I, it's it's challenging and it makes for a fun story. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, you can see that, say that as a failure. I, I think it's just a, a learning thing. Like, sure, oh, you, have to, was, figure, you know? have to figure out sizing. That's a challenge. And then yeah. you think you have the sizing right, and you're you're incorrect or you know misjudge it or whatever. You have to make some adjustments, and it sounds like you made those adjustments. Yeah. So yeah, walk we, me through the different styles that are out there. That'll help the, the listeners understand. What sizes do you have now? Are there color options? Like walk me through the like the the portfolio of the A-linkers that are out there. Okay. So we have the happy small that starts at 22 inches inseam height for so your your crotch till the till the floor. And then there's the small that starts at 27 inches inseam minimum, uh, then the medium. And the large, but the large is actually not in production because the, there's only maybe five people that got the large, and you can't have a production line to facilitate that. So um, right. that's not really an option anymore. Um, and now we're developing the Linker 2.0. Um, again, we're looking for funds and somebody who understands what we're trying to do. Um, to in the redevelopment of the Alinker 2.0, not just increase the weight capacity, um, but also make it such that we can produce it in North America. And um, 
because people said like, oh, you can just um, make thicker pipes and do this. And I was like, I refuse to make a bariatric linker because then it's like, oh, that's the linker for fat people. I refuse to do that. So I want to redesign the whole linker with new new materials, new ways of manufacturing here, mini manufacturing in North America in such way that we can produce here. So cut out all the international shipping. And we've learned during the pandemic how vulnerable all those supply chains are. Um, so cut out all the international um, shipping and increase the capacity where people with disabilities can be employed in the process of mini manufacturing the linker. And that linker is going to be so damn cool that everybody would want to use it. So you don't have an linker for fat people. And, an, and the normal linker, but you have an linker that accidentally holds up to 450 pounds, but it's for everybody. And right. it's made in, in North America, and it is the coolest thing ever. And I think also there's a, a challenge if you start going to bigger pipes and heavier pipes, it then becomes a heavier device, which mm -hmm. makes it a lot harder to transport and throw in the trunk. And the portability starts to be affected if you start making things bigger and heavier and bulkier. Absolutely. So we don't want to do that. Correct. <laughs> yeah, and I well, started the process, and it's um, it's there's going to it's going to be very interesting, but it does need funding. So if you um, if you want to put the call out, if somebody is interested in getting involved with the linker on that front, then I'd be very interested to talk to them. Sure. Well, I hope those listeners that are, can uh, relate to your story can relate to people that have MS and other uh, challenges and disabilities and abilities. Uh, mm -hmm. that just would like to be more mobile or be mobile in a different way besides a wheelchair. I hope they're motivated by this interview and uh, want to learn more. Uh, mm -hmm. be, in, in closing, uh, give me an idea of what kind of sales you've done over the last uh, 11 years and kind of where the, the linkers have ended up. Are they just in the United States? Are they international? How, you know, what kind of success, what kind of uh, traction are you getting for the linker now? Mm -hmm. Um, biggest market is the US and as we live in Canada it's about 10% of the market that we sold in, um, in, in the US is in Canada because that's sort of the reflection of the demographics as well um, we all pay living wages to all our people there's uh, four people in our team that used to be on disability that are now fully employed um, that in itself is already a, um, uh, a win for society because from somebody who's on disability pay to now being a tax-paying citizen, I think that's um, that's the the way where we need to go because um, people are employable if you are willing to employ them. We've planted over eighty thousand trees. We're more than carbon neutral. Um, we do campaigns with people because if people are driven into poverty and um, and really need the linker but then cannot afford two and a half thousand dollars. We have a rent to own and uh, campaigns that we do with people. We've completed 236 campaigns. So 236 people who never could afford a linker having a linker through how the community shows up for each other. And that's, I'm really, really happy that we, <laughs> that we do that. We were the first company in the world to do that. And I'm really happy we do because that creates community. And David, if I've learned anything in your linker, isolation is a worse thing than all the physical shit that people deal with. And if you're willing to be in community with people, see each other, acknowledge each other, then the way that we move is actually not so important. It's handy so, because it's just a logistical thing that we need to manage. And right. the linker is to support the logistical 
stuff that we need to deal with on a daily basis. But if we show up for who we are with each other, that's more, more important. 100%. Well, B, it's been a pleasure to um, hear your story, uh, understand your why. I love the fact that you're making an impact on people that have uh, different challenges, different abilities and disabilities. Uh, and I'm sure my listeners are very excited to hear how they can get a hold of their own linker, or maybe they can pass on the information to someone else uh, oh. that has different challenges, and they now can maybe have their life changed because of their mobility opportunities that you're going to provide with the linker. So please share with the listening audience your website, uh, social media, uh, if you want to share an email or a phone number, whatever you feel comfortable giving out, so people can get a hold of you, learn more about it, and be in touch, maybe even support you uh, in the partnership opportunity as well. That'd be fantastic. Um, the website is www at uh, dot thealinker .com. So T H E A L I N K E R. You can also just Google a linker, and it will come up a lot. Um, on the website is all our social media, and if you there's a pop up window that you talk to customer service. They're not a bot. They're actual people that use linkers themselves in their lives. So if you use the chat box on, on our website, you get to talk to Sergio, Jennifer, um, Stephanie, um, or Neve, Neve. And then um, you talk to people that actually use linkers themselves. That's fantastic. What better knowledge of our product than the people that actually use the product? Mm -hmm. If they want to send an email, it's also possible info at thelinker.com. And then I'll Fantastic. get there. Yeah, that's how you well, reach thank, me. Well, thank you, B. I really appreciate being on the show. And I love, I'm an inventor myself. So I, I appreciate those that bring products to market. Don't just talk about it. Oh, create prototypes, bring it to market, solve a problem and help people. So I, I applaud you. It's not easy to invent. Less than 3% of all products that have a patent issued on it ever come to market. So the fact that you brought a product to market it's been patented and now produced. You're one of the 3%. So congratulations on being uh, that 3 percenters that is out there getting things done and dealing with the challenges of bringing a product to market. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's about 5,500 linkers in the world right now. And to answer that, that question that we had before, where it is um, available in US, Canada, Netherlands, UK, South Africa, um, New Zealand, and Australia. And a lot, wow. of, a lot of countries in, the, um, in Europe through the Netherlands. That's fantastic. And I would mm -hmm. assume at some point, maybe even like the Special Olympics could help out or uh, yeah. maybe use it as a, even as a game or a activity uh, just for you know, people that want to compete in the A-Linker. You never know where it can turn into. It could turn into a game. It could turn into an event. Yeah. Uh, it can turn, like you said, it turns into a community. And once it's in a community Absolutely. and people support each other through the community, you never know uh, what's next. That's what's exciting about it. Absolutely. Are you familiar with the uh, Invictus Games, Prince Harry? Uh, I am. Yeah. Um, well, the Alinker was in the Invictus Games in the Netherlands last year. Very cool. See, I knew, yeah. it was, I knew it had potential. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And we're hoping to be in the Paralympics uh, in, a, in, a, in a couple of years. So I figured that would be the next step, for sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, very good, B. Well, thank you so much. I love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. And uh, you've listened to another episode of the Perky Collar Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks, everyone. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right. Over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar 
Add the perky collar with the long tapered ends on top. Lower your collar on top. Adjust to make sure it's even around the collar. And that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website is perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in Elephant, R as in Robert, K as in Kangaroo, Y as in Yo-Yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's PerkyLLC.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as the droopy, saggy dress shirt collar, the pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still properly, it unfolds, it falls down, the shirt that keeps coming untucked, collar stays that keep curling on you, and more and more issues with your belt, cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at perkyllc.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories, bow ties, you name it, from feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out perkyllc.com for all these great fashion accessories, and innovative solutions. Are you ready to publish your own book? Do you have a story to tell? Does the world need to hear your story? Now is your chance. Go to https colon forward slash go go dot bestsellingbook.com forward slash perky collar radio show. That's right. It's as simple as that. They'll walk you through every step needed to publish your own book. And watch out. Be ready to be an Amazon bestseller, maybe a Wall Street Journal bestseller, or maybe even a New York Times bestseller. It all starts with a single step and having the right team around you. Again, go to https colon forward slash go, G-O dot bestsellingbook.com forward slash perky collar radio show. Look forward to seeing your amazing results.